Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, this is Annie for Showreel, 3CR's look at the Australian film industry and today we're going to talk to Ivan Hickster, a cinematographer from Melbourne, and look at his early career as well as his latest project which is a documentary on the East-West Link picket. Okay, let's start from the beginning. How did you get into the film industry? I went uh, to Swinburne's uh, film and television course, went through the Diploma of Art film and television and uh, yeah completed that course in the final year happened to be uh, snapped up <laughs> by a production company here in Melbourne. Uh, oh that's nice of them. Very nice of them. Uh, probably harder to do these days but um, they uh, were kind enough to offer me a position in the camera department so for a number of years I worked uh, with them and uh, then... Uh, what sort of things were you making? We were doing uh, oh, hundreds of uh, commercials over the five, six years I was there, um, and uh, several feature films. Um, it was with uh, a quite uh, famous uh, production company that is no more, Billcock and Copping, and uh, Robin Copping and David Billcock were the driving force behind that uh, production company and uh, they, they were producing a lot of commercial content, uh, some corporate type content and of course then stepped into feature film production mainly through uh, working with uh, Tim Burstall and uh, I think were pretty much associated with all the features that uh, he produced that period of you know, mid-70s through to early 80s, that sort of uh, time frame. So were you an assistant camera person or were you a camera person? I mean, it would have been a good uh, way of learning your skills, surely. Oh, absolutely. Great discipline uh, at a higher professional level. So it was highly valued. I was contributing broadly in the camera department initially as uh, camera assistant, the, the kind of stage you should work through, camera assistant, camera operator and uh, then I had the opportunity to uh, act uh, more as uh, director of photography not so much with their projects but with independent uh, short films and other projects I was able to produce while still uh, employed with them and then subsequently when I freelanced 
uh, as uh, a cameraman, I was able to uh, uh, continue those sorts of projects and, of course, work with a number of other fairly prominent Melbourne production companies. So that period was a, a period of great learning, great understanding of the professional disciplines and demands to make, uh, you know, fairly high-quality high uh, uh, content, yeah. When you, when you started, why did you go into that? Because it would have been quite a, uh, a compelling sort of a profession to decide to go into as a young chap in the 70s. Well, you know, my first, uh, my first official job in, uh, if you broadly say, that industry was at uh, Channel 9 here in Melbourne. So prior to entering the uh, Swinburne and Film Television course, I, uh, I was offered a position at Channel 9, and at that time you could undertake a, let's call it an apprenticeship, where you would start in the mail room, mm. <laughs> literally you know, kind of getting the lay of the land, and uh, that was a, a kind of six-month, uh, perhaps 12-month assignment. And the idea was you'd get a, an opportunity to review all the operations of uh, a television station, a television network, and then make some decisions as to where you felt you would best fit in. Uh, so I had that opportunity prior to Swinburne, but the, the result of that was that I couldn't see a place I wanted to fit in. It's <laughs> a little uh, surprising, given as a, at that time, an 18-year-old, I, I clearly had a passion and great interest in in broadcast work, uh, in television or in, in, in film, but I felt quite, um, not disillusioned, but I, I just couldn't find a niche for myself. And so um, I chose to leave Channel 9 and uh, felt I really needed to broaden my understanding of the medium and hence uh, had the opportunity to... Uh, to enter the Swinburne course and uh, continue on from there. I suppose that, in a way, what you're saying is that there's a uh, you had a sort of a commercial background in a sense, or so you saw the whole area in a commercial sense, but then your artistic needs came into play, right? I think that's very accurate, Annie. And uh, you know, one, uh, I mean, you, if you choose a career in uh, film, television. Uh, it has to be tempered by commercial realities, and uh, I understand that, and I accept that. But uh, at that time, and at, uh, at that you know time of my uh, career, I certainly had, uh, and still do have, for that matter, a passion about uh, content that matters. And one can argue you know, what that might be, but I just couldn't find a lot of substance to the content that, uh, in a sense, at that time at Channel 9, they were like a, a relay station, really, apart from some live programming that uh, studio-type programming that they were doing at that time, uh, live variety show-type programming. That so, was kind of it. Yeah, so, uh, so your career has basically developed with the film industry itself, in a sense. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, and of course, we've come a heck of a long way since then 
given the digital revolution and the way in which uh, you know new media is clearly the platform for now of now of the times, but um, you know content is king, and con- you know content has always been king, and it's just a matter of um, finding a niche to continue and allow nurture, if you like, the, the inspiration to uh, to still sustain itself. In that earlier period that uh, you were doing commercials, commercials are like short films where you have to uh, construct a notion uh, visually very quickly and then get out, basically. Uh, was that a good training ground for the uh, future work that you did in feature filmmaking? It was um, a fantastic learning for the disciplines, more to do with the um, perhaps you know t- technical slash craft aspects of the medium. Uh, but um, <laughs> eventually, uh, just thinking about that, my my freelance career ended after a toothpaste commercial. I, I'd been working in a st- studio. It's seeming an endless period of time. I just remember this toothpaste commercial with this kind of Sydney director who was obsessive about um, looking the part, but not really, uh, in my view, having quite the substance to play the part. But uh, nevertheless, um, at the end of this commercial, on this particular day in the studio, I sort of came to the conclusion I couldn't do it anymore, eh? I just, <laughs> Work with dills. Well, I was sort of wracked with um, a sense of futility and um, my learning in that sense of, you know, fairly high levels of the craft in terms of having budgets and resources and crews and all the things that everyone would love to have on any production seemed to mean less and less to me and uh, my own contributions seemed to be... Um, so contained, if you like, that uh, I felt I had to move on. And so I did. And, uh, uh, you know, chose not long after to start my own production company. Well, before we go on to that uh, and the trials and tribulations of uh, that kind of a choice in in the industry, uh, working on feature films, you've just touched on the ad where you worked towards a director who basically led to a deeply frustrating experience but if you were working on a feature film you worked on a variety of feature films what was that like working with directors in a completely different kind of milieu well to me it was a much more compelling and rewarding experience because it touched on a number of aspects of uh, the 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 medium and the crafting and production of content that uh, i guess i felt more affinity with, if you like. So working, uh, you know, on there's no such thing as, I guess, a typical feature film, but many feature films uh, tend to have common elements to them. You, you know, you obviously have a uh, quite an extensive uh, and professional crew. You have uh, uh, the facilities, the means, the equipment and so on to be able to produce high-quality uh, results. You have... Uh, a cast and uh, uh, actors and so on who are there to specifically uh, deliver certain performance. 
and the director's role, of course, is to orchestrate all that and bring it together in such a focus in a way that the vision is fulfilled, whatever that might be. So, and it's an organic process, although it's fully scripted and, uh, you know, there's opportunity for improvisation and for capturing the moment in the best way that can be done or as the director sees it. So that was quite a rewarding experience and a very... Um, an experience that felt much more growthful, if I can put it that way. And uh, well, well, it's clear that uh, in feature films, that you know, the director, obviously the script, the director, the editor, and the cinematographer are key yeah. elements to the result. Uh, do you feel that uh, you had uh, sort of started to create a kind of a film vocabulary that you could say when you looked at the film uh, had an Ivan Hickster feel about them? Not, not at all. I, I don't think my contributions were significant enough to, to, to be able to uh, you know, make that uh, kind of a judgment in, in any way. I was still, uh, at that time in the feature side of things, very much contributing to uh, the camera department's contribution so my role uh, was quite specific and uh, even though it's a great uh, collaborative uh, approach to, uh, to to the making of uh, of a film in that situation um, as it is in you know, any filmmaking situation but probably even more intensely in the feature film uh, world um, the contributions you make they're important within that context, you know, of the department, if you like, that you're contributing through. So, no, I don't think my role was uh, particularly significant at all, but rather it was a great learning, um, learning ground and a great opportunity to, to understand how all the processes behind uh, making a feature film, you know, on time, on budget, all the things that uh, come into play. Now, you then went on to run your own um, product, uh, uh, company, which, of course, then means that you have to deal with the uh, business side of things. But does that mean that you were a cinematographer for hire? Well, uh, that was part of the freelance uh, role that I played, and uh, that led to requests from uh, advertising agencies initially and then uh, organisations uh, subsequently to just to assist with their communication needs. So the uh, yeah the skills that I learned uh, weren't <laughs> certainly went over at the point that I stepped into uh, commencing uh, with uh, Direction, which is uh, uh, the company I worked through. But it was just another step in the learning curve as to then taking on, obviously, more of the production process, uh, yeah, from concept development, budgeting, planning, scheduling, um, casting, if, if there were actors involved and so on. So it, I guess all the experience that preceded that point in time had um, enabled me to step, you know, reasonably confidently into that arena, kind of knowing certainly what, a professional approach was about, and then it was up to me to deliver that. Yeah. 
tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. You're on 3CR with Annie on Showreel. We're having a chat with Melbourne cinematographer Ivan Hickster and we're going to move on to talk about his latest project, which is a documentary about the East-West Link picket. Now, it's interesting because I met you down at the East-West picket and you had decided that uh, you were going to start collecting footage and you're in the process of, uh, I mean, it's a long haul really, uh, to make a film about that whole outstanding activist uh, activity. Uh, But you did that because you lived close by and this was part of your contribution. You were really saying earlier that uh, you wanted to use your skills to make a difference. That's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, so, I mean, how how did you approach that uh, uh, labour of love? Well, if I could begin by saying, as you, I'm sure, would be aware and uh, listeners would be aware, you know, entering into a kind of documentary project that you're not quite sure how things will unfold means you've got to have a lot of uh, flexibility, determination, passion, I guess, for um, staying with a project uh, over an indefinite period of time. Now, that uh, commenced... 18 months ago? Yeah, long haul. Two years ago. A long haul. Long haul, and uh, you were were there too um, a lot of the time. So you know that um, community actions, uh, pickets and the protests and so on that occurred um, were, uh, you know, a fantastic uh, response from the community who so strongly objected to that business interesting project but because in, in a filmmaking sense you're never quite sure how things will play out who you'll necessarily meet in terms of uh, individuals who are playing a significant role in you know shaping or trying to shape the outcome uh, of those protests and so on so it's a kind of organic process that um, you know even now um, you know nearly two years later although it has been uh, uh, defeated, it's still in uh, a a period of uh, determination, I guess, as to what the outcome will finally be for for Victorians and states, for for taxpayers and so on, given that the uh, new uh, Andrews government is uh, trying to uh, and honourably keep their pledge not to build it yet. Um, you know, are up against some substantial commercial forces that uh, would like to see otherwise. But in terms of the filmmaking process, you've got to kind of go with the flow. And by that, I mean uh, you try and stay abreast of what's happening. You, uh, you, you try and schedule and, and use your time, the available time, to capture moments that you think are significant, whatever 
that significance might be, a, perhaps a turning point in the campaign or a, a, a particular event in the campaign that's uh, uh, attracting a, a high profile for, for various reasons. Uh, as you know, you know there were times during that whole period where the um, uh, the picketers, particularly, were uh, not just vocal but very articulate about uh, putting forward alternative public transport uh, options and, and and considerations for uh, for Victorians. And the mainstream media, particularly when the police became more actively involved, and I would say more aggressively involved, uh, create a lot of headlines in, uh, across all the mainstream media. So their profile builds and builds. Uh, and uh, I, you know, really just tried to keep up with that. Um, like yourself, getting up fairly early. Yeah. On, uh, yeah, for a long time. Now, it, what I would like to know is that you must have considerable amount of footage. And as you said, the story is not finished, really. But uh, you must, uh, you're not just shooting it, you're actually having to construct uh, a kind of a narrative. And uh, I guess you yeah. also do the editing. Look, um, such is the uh, way of uh, independent media production these days. I'm fortunate I have a post-production facility, uh, a small studio here that uh, enables me to do those things. Uh, I've shot probably... 60 or 70 hours of, of material over that period of time and the narrative that we speak of you know, is a kind of challenging part of it because uh, my view currently is that the, if you like the, the primary character that drives the story in fact is the community and the, the community you might compare to an ensemble mm-hmm. kind of cast Yeah I do think so too they were quite yeah. remarkable people. Truly remarkable people, and uh, I've made some very good uh, uh, friendships through through that, um, and a great deal of respect for what they're able to achieve. I mean, uh, I must say, earlier in the piece, I was very doubtful that skeptical uh, they would win the day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, were you? <laughs> no, uh, because I uh, occasionally I think uh, this is really tough, but I kept thinking this just actually, they have to win. Yeah, right. You just have to keep on going. Well, they certainly did that in a, in a just such a, uh, such a powerful way. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I was doubtful not because of their capacity, but rather... No, because of the forces that were being brought against them, yes. Totally. And uh, normally people don't win. Well, that's exactly right. And when, uh, as it drew closer to last November's election, it seemed apparent to me that the spin campaign and the many millions of dollars that were being spent on um, mass media advertising to convince Victorians that uh, the then... Uh, National Liberal uh, Government had the answers to both road and public transport uh, uh, I thought may have uh, swayed the you know, public opinion in, in, in favour of uh, re-electing them. I'm pleased to say I, my confidence and trust in Victorians' judgement has been uh, 
substantially uh, elevated. So in a sense, this movie you're making is um, about the community, but also about your uh, your journey too, really, as a filmmaker, because it is your film. Well, uh, that's, um, yeah, very accurate. Uh, I felt that to tell the story, it, um, it may be helpful to have that, if you like, first-person narrative, which is my journey with that community to realise the, the outcome they achieved. So uh, if I go back to just briefly to when the uh, community campaign really started, it was a result of some drilling that uh, literally happened in my own backyard here and the street that uh, bounds uh, the apartment I live in. And uh, uh, that, um, that action uh, was a catalyst for me to initially take some interest, obviously, in what was going on, but then very soon after um, a commitment to follow it through in whatever capacity I could to hopefully make a film that celebrated a victory. But, of course, at that time, uh, I felt that was less likely than, than as it turned out to be. I don't mean to be negative or pessimistic, but I felt the forces against a, a relatively small community group rising up and uh, seizing the day was, uh, you know, perhaps not as great as I would have liked to have thought it could be. Well, of course, that makes your your upcoming film uh, more uh, important even than perhaps you originally thought because it mm. documents uh, a really important campaign within the Victorian activist community and uh, in general, the community in general. And uh, and as, as we speak, there is a major campaign going on in Sydney over West Con- uh, Connex, which... Uh, the yeah. East West Link people are uh, communicating with that community, so it has bigger ripples. And so you're still trying to get your film finished. Do you need people to uh, to contribute to your efforts? Look, uh, I've sought uh, when the uh, there was a, a celebratory street party um, celebrating the victory just uh, prior to uh, Christmas, and I thought perhaps that was a, a fitting conclusion to uh, to you know the construction of the film, but I'm I'm sort of not sure about that now because I think the the film, although it it is about you know the mouse of the Lord in a way, it's also about the way in which uh, the media brought their perspective to the various political and other arguments that were presented, along with this kind of personal journey. So the layering of the film I'm finding is, uh, or the potential layering of those elements and others uh, can add a dimension of interest and and understanding, I think, as to how and why this community did win. It wasn't just uh, because of the vocal activism, although I must say the picket, I thought, was an extremely uh, important tool in uh, bringing to public attention continuously throughout the 18 months that led up to the election why uh, the project should be, uh, why East West Link should be defeated. And importantly, uh, the alternative public transport needs that this state has required for a long, long time. 
Yeah. All right. So um, thank you for sharing your information about your film and your own, and your past filmmaking experiences. It's uh, been a pleasure, Annie. I, I will just say that um, through that uh, community participation, I I now have a, uh, a producer uh, associate on board who is very keen to uh, assist and uh, see the film realised. Hopefully, as a one-hour uh, television event. So. We'll, we'll see how that plays out, but um, I, I'll continue uh, to, uh, to, to, to to progress it and hope uh, there's a, a result that uh, we can uh, have a chat about one uh, day soon. Thank you very much, Ivan. Thanks so much, Annie. All the best. You too. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.